be seated. Now we come to the preaching of God's word, and I've entitled the sermon, <clears throat> The Difference Between Thankful and Thankless. And so if you would turn in your Bibles, please, to the passage that uh, teaches this, and that's Luke 17, 11 through 19. I'd like to read that to you. Luke 17, 11 through 19. Hear the word of the Lord. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, <clears throat> have mercy on us. <clears throat> and when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There was not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee Hope. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we are thankful for this episode in the life and ministry of our Savior. We also thank you, thank you for this event in the history of redemption. For this is not put in Scripture for no reason at all, but to show that the people that you are redeeming are thankful people, are people who are full of praise to God. Help us, Lord, so that we might learn how we may be your people who show forth the praises of you who have called us out of the darkness into your marvelous light. In Christ's name, amen. What a dreadful disease leprosy is where in some instances, in the latter stages of it, from what I know, I've not done an intensive study in this in the least, but even towards the latter stages where the flesh literally falls off of the bone. The nature of this contagious disease is that one must be isolated from the rest of society forever, at least indefinitely. And the article that you have the opportunity to read this afternoon will enlighten you <clears throat> to what it really is like. What it really is like for those especially who have this condition. It is a graphic picture of our sinful nature. That's why God put this in the Bible. In Isaiah, the prophet says, but your sins 
or your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Worst part of hell, the worst part of hell is that it is a place of eternal separation from God, the fountain of all good. If these statistics of one out of ten being saved have any significance, it doesn't look very good, does it? <coughs> Only one in ten of fallen sinful mankind are saved. Our Lord says, many are called, but few are chosen. And he didn't say that to discourage us, but to tell us the reality of our fallenness and how we are an unthankful people, and that our unthankfulness is the evidence of our lostness from God. And this as a result of the fall of our first parents, Adam and Eve, how that all of mankind at one point are afar off from the kingdom of God. The colony that was near this village, not in the village, but nearby, was located somewhere between Galilee and Samaria. Galilee being part of Israel, Samaria being a next door neighbor where there were those who were at one time worshiping the only true and living God, but who departed from that and they're having intermarried with the unbelievers. We know that probably most of the lepers were Jewish. Because for one, probably the only one, he was not. Like sin, leprosy is no respecter of race or even of religion. I have a question for you, and that is this. What is the difference between those that are thankful and those that are not, that I describe as thankless? One, as beneficiaries of God's benefits, there is really nothing or very little that separates the two classes. There were 10 men, were there not? And I presume each one of them experienced the tender mercies of God at one time. Maybe they were one time in the pink of health. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, said Jeremiah, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. We all get up in the morning and we are at our best with full of energy and looking forward and raring to go. And that's how they probably were too. But when they got sick, that all changed. But when they got sick, they were not overlooked. They were not neglected, like what you will encounter in that article that talked about how so many people, their families, and even the government, and all those that are involved in uh, social welfare were involved in trying to help these that are of this disenfranchised group called lepers. They even have a system set up where the priests as physicians would attend to the sick. Imagine that. And particularly these lepers, such as what I'll read in Leviticus 14, 1 and 2. In Leviticus 14, 1 and 2, which is a chapter dedicated to leprosy. You can read that later as well. But I'll only read 
first two verses of Leviticus 14. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priest. Ah, oh, apparently there are instances of, of lepers having been cleansed. And the priest shall go forth out of the camp, and the priest shall look, and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed in that, the leper. And it goes on. And I'll just leave it there so you're hanging and you're going to read it. Okay. <laughs> so, they had families and friends, as I said, that cared for them. Just like the colony on the island of Molokai. In fact, God provided caregivers in the form of some self-sacrificing spouse or parent of those with leprosy of children that had leprosy, or even a caring outsider like that priest or pastor that established a church on that peninsula, on Molokai. Or in this case, the Lord Jesus passing through. Think about this. They were strong enough to call upon him. It says back in our passage in Luke chapter 17. We want to make sure that we get it from the word, right? Like the Bereans. We're of a ready mind and search the scriptures daily whether these things were so. Don't leave it up to the pastor to tell you the whole truth. Because I could make a mistake. So in Luke chapter 17, verse 13. It shows that they were strong enough to call upon Jesus. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. There are people who are mute. That is, they can't talk. And they're what are called deaf mutes who can't even hear. Never mind talk. And they could. And when Jesus directed them to the priest... They were able to comply without assistance. They didn't need a wheelchair or even a walker or someone to carry them. Like in the case of the lame man at the gate beautiful in Acts 3.2. Some very poignant stories in, in the Bible. This is, this is one of them that you recall in our exposition of Acts we talked about before. And it says in verse 2 of Acts Chapter 3, Acts 3, 2. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. You see, back in those days, they didn't have government welfare. And so the best they could do is whoever was available, some compassionate neighbor or family, would carry him to this place. And there are people, obviously, who are generous, the generous people of God, especially if they tithe and, and offer, <laughs> who, who would be approached by this lame man at the gate. But notice he was carried there. That's the point I'm trying to make. He was brought there. He could, he could not walk. The ten lepers could walk. 
says in the Bible, in him we live and move and have our being. It's because of God that we were able to get up and not lay down and develop bed sores in our bed of sickness and, and die from the bed sores. Can that happen? Oh, yes. Can that happen today? Oh, it does. When there's no one in the hospital to turn you over and when loved ones are not even allowed into the hospitals at one time, if you recall. And so, these lepers could walk. And above all, unlike the vast majority of lepers, I'm going I'm to presume, of that time, these ten lepers experienced the healing and deliverance from their living death. Imagine that. They probably had no more hope left, or it was just coming down to that frazzle of hope. And here happens along the path of their village, of where they were standing outside of the village, and then noticing him, of whom by this time many in Israel knew was a miracle worker. Many were beginning to become acquainted with him as the Son of God. Imagine how that happened. It was no accident. And through the Lord Jesus Christ, they were healed. The article that I, I point you to, and I knew you are going to read that article now, <laughs> brings up how leprosy, for the most part, has been eradicated in our day. There is almost negligible numbers of lepers because of modern medicine. Imagine the advancements that we have to be born today and not to have been born back then and be a leper. Today, though, we have cancer that consumes the flesh from within. It's a kind of leprosy, isn't it, in a way? Although it's not contagious like leprosy per se. But let me point this out to you, and I just thought about this, how those who suffer from cancer, especially in their latter stages, and how they are more and more isolated from their loved ones and from people, suffer a kind of isolation, don't they? A real isolation, I should say. I think about a hospital ward of cancer patients waiting for the end. You would think that there would be more hope in the world than that, but no. Like leprosy, cancer is no respecter of persons either. And so we are still faced with this dilemma of our health. As beneficiaries of God's benefits. As I said, there is nothing or very little that separates the ten lepers from one another. Again, as we have discovered, nine being unbelievers and one being a child of God. For he maketh his sun to shine or to rise upon the evil and the good, and his rain to fall on the just. But as far as giving thanks to God, the difference between the two categories of 
believer and unbeliever is vast. It's like that chasm that Christ spoke about in the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, in which he said, there is a great gulf fixed. The nine, verse 14 of our passage back at Luke chapter 17. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Wow. But is that it? Is that it? Jesus didn't get a word, a, a call, a, a text, an email, back, nothing. Isn't that what usually propriety calls for? I have a book here that you know what I'm going to depart from protocol myself for a moment here and get it oh. you need to see this book Books were not there on this very thing on how to behave yourself, called etiquette. The art of thank you. Crafting notes of gratitude. <laughs> we wonder why we need books like this, right? <laughs> you can tell the difference already, right? The next time you go to a fast food restaurant, like your favorite In-N-Out burger or restaurant, take a moment and just look around and watch when people start their meals and see how many of them give thanks to God. <clears throat> but if no one is paying attention, guess what? God is, even as Jesus in our passage, who, who asked the one man, the Samaritan man who was cleansed, there were 10 of you. What happened to the nine? Which means to say that Christ is concerned. He's more concerned about, or is as concerned, I'll just say, about their not having given thanks as he was concerned for their healing. But you know our healing, or even our not being healed, is a test. It's a test of our faith. It's a test of our faith God, who is a God of mercies, a God of all comfort, a God who cares, of whom one said in the Bible, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you, O child of mine, child of God. Last week I asked this, why do not people seek God? Why do they worship him on the Lord's day? Why are there not more people here, for example? Because, I concluded, they are ungrateful children or they are not God's children <coughs> at all. The great prince of preachers, Charles Spurgeon, whose article on prayer is with you, said one time, multitudes of our fellow citizens pray when they are sick and near to dying. 
But when they grow better, their praises grow sick unto death. It's when you are in a, in a, in a theater of war, it's when you're in the, in the trenches that you pray like the Dickens, you know. But when the coast is clear, so often, not always, but, but oftentimes, the prayers stop. How sad, yet how true. Those were the nine. As Romans 2, 4 says, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness, and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. But there was the one. Like the lost sheep, the 99 and the one. The one being the one who was found. All ten of the lepers were headed to their local priests, as per the instructions of our Lord. When lo and behold, they were immediately healed, right on the spot. But like I said, it looked like they were that they all just kept going, except for one. It's possible that the nine reasoned among themselves the following: Hallelujah, praise the Lord, we're healed. Like the law of Moses that tells us, and like Jesus instructed us, we need to be clear of this plague before we can re-enter society. We can go back to our village. We can go back to our families. We can go back to our worship in the tabernacle or in the temple. We can start our life over. Isn't that what Jesus said to do? And yes, we'll, we'll thank him later. It's very possible that that was in their mind or that was in their conversation. And based upon Leviticus 4, as you will also find out, and you're reading it, <clears throat> this was what they're told to do. Like in former days when the county physician would put up a quarantine sign on a house that had smallpox, and then when the smallpox was healed and the home was cleared, he would come by to take off the quarantine sign that he nailed on the house so many weeks before. But what about a simple word of thanks? I mean, what does that take, right? You ever thank somebody, didn't thank someone who, who did something kind for you or gave you something to remember you by, such as on your birthday or anniversary? Like what the Samaritan did. It says in verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. No doubt he shouted loud enough for the Lord to hear. <laughs> but that was not all. But it is what he go on to do. It says he fell down at his feet and worshipped him and gave thanks. And notice how the Lord, <clears throat> the Lord's word, very, very uh, specifically put in the words, and he was a Samaritan. Again, the people that you don't expect it from at all, or the least. Like in the case of the Good Samaritan that stopped when the priest and the Levite passed that, that Jewish man that was left half dead on the road. Took care of that man 
and you've been brought into an inn and said, if there's need for more innkeeper, I'll be back. Take care of him. He worshiped the Lord. This is the nature of a renewed heart. This is the nature of one who is born again into the kingdom of God. How do we know that happened in the life of the Samaritan? We'll read the last verse. He, that is Jesus Christ our Lord, said unto him, the healed Samaritan leper, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And he wasn't saying that his faith, in his faith is what made him whole, as it were. But his faith in Jesus made him <clears throat> and Jesus is his right name, Savior. And Christ is his title, anointed. Anointed from God. This is why the Lord Jesus came, according to his own words, when he says, Go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard and how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. He was not, this Samaritan, not offended in Jesus whatsoever. In conclusion, all healing comes from the hand of our Creator and our Maker and our God. Whenever one is made well, that is a blessing from above. In closing, I'd like us to read together Psalm 107, 17 through 22. So shall we turn to it? Psalm 107. Psalm 107, 17 through 22. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. That's speaking to how oftentimes sickness and disease and even death is a result of our sins. Ultimately, sin is the root cause of everything that comes upon us that is evil. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. They can't eat anymore as they start to wane away. <coughs> and of course, they're not eating and they're not sustaining themselves physically. It's only aiding and abetting their, the foregone conclusion of their demise. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saveth them out of their distresses. He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. And the only way that you can truly rejoice is if you rejoice in the Lord in your heart. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, I want to sing that, but I'm not going to. <laughs> so is this you? The nine? 
one. There's a, another song that I remember learning as a new Christian. I'll shout it from the mountaintop. I want the world to know the Lord of love has come to me. I want to pass him on. Are you thankful? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your being God. Thank you for your being the Savior, Lord Jesus, sent into the world to save a sinful people from themselves, from a love of self, from a, a self, a self-lived life, a life apart from the living God. Oh Lord, thank you for bringing us to yourself as you did this man in our story, in your story. This is part of your story too. And how this example stands out in all of history, even to this very moment of our hearing about him. He changed lives by his testimony and to show the marvelous and sovereign power of our great and holy Lord. In his name we pray with thanksgiving.